welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Newton. Let's kick off. Hello and welcome into the Six Again podcast. This will be our All-Stars game recap episode and with some other bits of news and celebration sprinkled in there as well. This is Super Bowl day. I have not watched oh, it. Shit. I've not seen the updates. I'm going to be watching it probably late tonight uh, after this episode. So I've gotten through an entire day without finding out anything about it. And Jared is not going to spoil it for me now. Oh, look, I don't care. I don't even rate NFL. So I'm not going to, I can't, I, I wouldn't know how to spoil it for Adam. I thought you were about to say, I wouldn't know how to spell it, but no. uh, that too. Yes, I am Adam. That is Jared. Every day of the week. Yeah, 100%. And in every way. And I'll fight anyone who says no. There we go. Um, <laughs> maybe not someone with a helmet on. Welcome to the Six Again podcast. <laughs> we are a rugby league podcast. We are talking all things rugby league tonight. And we do want to start off with a bit of a celebration for us as a show. And this will tie up a couple of questions people have been asking with regards to our footy tipping competition. And I'm going to better make this noise here. There we go. <laughs> so our fantastic friends from Hop Nation Brewing Co. out of Footscray, Melbourne, and their Queensland beer rep, Benny Taylor, have come on board to sponsor our footy tipping comp for the 2022 season which means they will be putting together a small merchandise pack to go with our merch pack for the prizes at the end of the season. And maybe even the possibility of some beer. We're just trying to work on some licensing stuff there. That's huge news for us. A huge shout out to Hop Nation Brewing Co. They've got an amazing portfolio of beers and my favorite Australian brewery. And I'm lucky enough that one of my best mates works for them and they were more than willing to help us out and we're more than willing to help them out totally independent craft brewery out of victoria making some awesome stuff so we're super excited about that i'll have the link to the hop nation uh brewery in the show's bio and we're just going to put the finishing touches on the footy tipping comp and have it up by next week and it'll run pretty much the same as last year uh just with a new title and there are other plans of prizes to come so stay posted for that. We're just waiting for another couple of things to be tied up. And yeah, could yeah, not be more excited. Sponsored by a, a brewery. It's freaking brilliant. Oh, I might give it a crack this year, actually. Oh, yeah, that's that's right. Jared <laughs> likes to say he went easy on us, but no, he, he tried really hard and still got his butt kicked. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome news. Um, get on that footy to comp. When prizes, it comes up. Um, yeah, prizes, a um, bit more interactive this way, this year, a bit more at stake for, you know, whoever wins it. So jump on that when you can. Um, you know, the, the podcast is growing, so the more you advertise it, the more you throw out Hop Nation as well, the better it is for everybody. Yeah, and Benny Liner, our reigning champion, already messages asking when it's going to kick off because he wants to kick everyone's butt and go back to back, so... Everyone against Ben, I say. Um, let's 
jump into the footy news. So we mentioned last episode that New South Wales and Victorian Club Rugby Leagues have kicked off and Queensland are kicking off Rugby League again with the Play Something Unreal festivals. Now these are for these are aimed at kids from ages five to seventeen. And they'll be kicking off from February 19 all around Queensland. And basically it's a showcase of rugby league at all levels from completely non-contact all the way up to the uh, player development framework program, which takes parents through every single stage of rugby league and where they might want their kids to jump in. They're a bit afraid of the contact to start with. They have all different programs that are modified in a bunch of different ways. There's also going to have programs called Roads to Regions, League Stars, as well as doing blitzes through all the schools through Queensland. Um, there will be festivals in Ipswich, Toowoomba and Sunshine Coast on the 19th of February. Cairns on the 26th of Feb. West End on the 6th of March. Mackay, March 11. Rocky, March 12. And Gold Coast, March 31. So if you're interested in those or know of some family members or friends who would really benefit and want to get out there and give it a go, jump on the NRL website and it's under their community tab. So really cool uh, initiative there by the NRL and Rugby League Queensland. Or Queensland Rugby League, I should say. All right. Like I said, this is the Indigenous Maori All-Star Recap Show. And we do want to kick off by offering our tribute um to sorry offering our respects sorry to the filipina family following the loss of olsen filipina who is a man regarded as a pioneer for maori and pacifica players in our game um he's a legend of the game played for Bowmain, eastern suburbs and northern sydney the bears when they were still in the comp and um he was actually invited to the game at combank before being admitted to hospital last month with a stomach infection, which um, ultimately led to kidney failure and he passed at the age of 64. So similar to Arthur Beetson, this guy's a, a pioneer for an aspect of our game. Um, Arthur Beetson doing it for obviously state of origin and the indigenous population for Australia. Um, Olsen was, was the same basically for Maori and Pacifica uh, players and officials and coaches and and knocked down a lot of doors, opened up, sorry, knocked down a lot of barriers, opened up a lot of doors for players of that from those areas. Yeah, of that descent, Yeah, no. So. Um, yeah, I've heard of him. I never really got to see him play, which is... Um, no, he played in the 80s. Well, it, yeah, it would have been interesting because, you know, the, the, island, the island boys, they definitely play a different style to the... Um, you know, to the Aussie boys, and it's really good style of footy they play. So him coming into that in a very untraditional version of football would have been really fun to watch in that era. So, and he, as Adam said, he, he opened a lot of doors, created a lot of pathways for all the boys over there. So um, very disappointing, the massive loss to the game as a whole for a pioneer of that stature. Yep. Um, he was involved in a bunch of, awesome events and this is one that i didn't even know sorry occurred where he made his after he'd made his test debut just a month after his 20th birthday at the 77 world cup he featured in auckland's remarkable grand slam achievement where the provincial side so the auckland side 
beat Australia, Great Britain, and France in the space of 17 days. So not even remotely surprised. That was just a team from Auckland, which is crazy. He was also picked by New Zealand coach Graham Lowe uh, to pay, play against Great Britain at test level, despite playing in reserve grade at Baumang, so he couldn't crack the starting side. But he selected him straight at that, put him at starting 5-8 to take on Great Britain. Like This guy had talent, skill, toughness, yeah. and was a pioneer for the game. Massive. Massive. And... The showcase on Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, is a testament to what our pioneers have brought to the game because it was an awesome occasion. It was an awesome event. I didn't see the touch football game. I watched both the women's and the men's games. And I, I honestly thought the women's game was a better game of footy. To me, there was more actual skill and polish. And I, I think it might have been because they were squads have been trained together, whereas obviously the Indigenous and Maori come from a whole bunch of different teams that come um together outside of uh what am i trying to say here the girls have been training as their squads and all and because there's less teams there's less to choose from so a lot more of them have played together more often and it was just was a very cracking, very wrong about cracking game of football i think we got both tips wrong mm. no sorry you went for the maori men didn't you mm. i think i went for yeah i doubled up on the marys yeah and both games were exciting in different ways and they were both contests. There was no blowout on either side, which is really good to see. Um, both teams from both games fought it out all the way through to the final whistle. I thought both the player of the matches were fair. I think in the girls' match, it could have gone to one of six, uh, in my opinion. Um, I think in the guys, there was a couple who definitely put their heads above the rest. Uh, Nico Hines won for the Indigenous team. Uh, Joseph Tarpanay, who ultimately took it out for the Maori team, both had really strong games. I thought James Fisher-Harris had a really good game. But we'll... in, in, in your opinion, how did Nico Hines go on the hearts? Really well. Like, yeah. I, well, I, I, to, I want to start with the girls' game, but when we go to the uh, guys' game, one of the key dot points I've got down here was Nico Hines kicking game, especially. Um, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't really know what my expectations were, but we'll get to that later. So in the women's game, it was, remember, 24-0 victory to the Maori team last year. And the Indigenous All-Stars actually took out this one 18-8. A double to Jamie Chapman, who had an absolute belter of a game she took out the player of the match uh winger for the indigenous side scored a double but i was honestly more impressed with her just a general play she took two bombs under heavy pressure both only a few meters out from her uh, own try line she got her team out of trouble with a couple of really strong runs and a second try was an intercept that bounced up off the attacking player and Looking at the defense, where she'd stationed herself, put the pressure on the attacking side to make sure the pass was perfect, and it wasn't. And she got the rewards and just ran away from them. And she was actually under a fitness cloud going into the match. She had to pass a fitness test right beforehand due to a niggling calf injury. And super glad that she played because her performance was uh, amazing. The two fullbacks, Tamika Upton in my opinion, showed why she's the best player in the world now in the women's game. And 
her contest with Bovet Welsh was awesome. Both of them set up two tries. Um, you watch the if you watch the Maori try right before half time, the ma- the male team couldn't have done that try any better. It was a sweeping backline play. You had your block runners. Vet Walsh took the ball on the outside at the right angle, accelerated away, held up waiting for the right pass. And it was just awesome to watch. Um, and that was just a battle in itself. Upton and Vet Walsh, definitely not the biggest players out there, but footwork, speed, um, hands. It was awesome to watch. Now, who else? I uh, thought Dib um, had a really solid game in the halves, had a couple of big kicks in the second half to get the Indigenous team out of trouble and into good field position. Um, oh, who else? I'm going down the list here. You jump in, mate. I'm just trying to find. Well, unfortunately, yeah. I had a birthday and a funeral on Saturday, so I couldn't actually watch both games watch the highlights so full of women it was just I'm not technical cleaner than usual so usually you see a few it's, the women's game is enough more time they spend on the park and Adam would agree that most like, most women's games involve really big hits and very you know quick oh, players along the field Massive there was hit. a big hit when yeah, Shannon but, Marto and Rona Peters, the two Maori props, got together in the middle of the field, and the other Indigenous uh, wing decided to run the ball back into the centre of the field off a kick, and um, wasn't the right idea. She got right. snapped in half. And so, so the thing about it is that, like, it. Since the women's game has been contracted and made more professional and they're training full time and stuff like that, it's been well, really, really the, the technique, the little finesse part of the game's really started to come out. Mm-hmm. And that's from the from the high, from the extended highlights I saw, that's what I saw in this game, that they were very, very technical in what they're doing. And which I think is absolutely awesome. And the only way you can get that is to be full-time. And that's what I saw out of this game. They're very, very technical. And as I said, way more polished than the men's because they've been training for the last two and a half months. With the, well, with the ball in their hand, they've been training two and a half months longer yeah. than the men's. Different to pre-season. And, yeah. And it, it, it's just, it's just look, it looked really good. And... Yeah, that was, that was the biggest thing I saw. As, as I said, I only got to watch the extended hearts due to family commitments, but it was, it was a good thing for the game to watch um, the elite talent out there. Oh, 100%. And I'm just having a look here because I did some tweets through the game. I felt like I was missing um, a player that I was talking up. And uh, where is she here? Um, just having a look at the stats as well. Kennedy Charrington, I should have remembered. She's one of the biggest names in the game. Uh, 27 tackles, an absolute beast through the middle of the field. And Shannon Marto for the Maori side, prop running for over 200 metres as well uh, in 54 minutes. So both the games are split into four 20-minute quarters. And the players got a bit more of a rest because it is uh, pre-season, that sort of stuff. Uh, they were both really good. Uh, Tamara from the Maori side was involved quite a lot in the halves as well. And then Quincy Dodd, 
the dummy half, the hooker for the Indigenous side, had a really solid game as well. And it was just a, it was a really tough, solid battle in the forwards. And then when the ball got spread wide, like the angles Bovet Walsh was running and the acceleration once she was through the hole and then the cutout balls to finish off was brilliant. And then Tamika Upton plays very much like a Billy Slater. She just bounces around the middle. She just pops up everywhere, hands on the ball all the time. And it's just always in the right spot when you where you want your fullback to be. It was just a great game. I really enjoyed watching their game. And... I think what Jared said, 100%, the technicality of the, the women's game has come along so much just in the last couple of years. I'm really looking forward to this NRLW season because it should be a tighter contest than it has been because there's six teams now. Uh, talent spread out a little bit more. And, um, yeah, really excited to see what happens. So I think that evens the ledger at two games apiece now for the... Uh, Indigenous women and the, and the Maori women. Um, trying to think. Oh, and the dancers beforehand were brilliant as well. I love the contrast between the Maori style of war dance, basically, which is the it's confronting, it's up in your face, it's a threat almost. Um, whereas the Indigenous what? women, it's a war more dance of, isn't a hug, mate. Yeah, I know, but the Indigenous women is more of a portrayal of the animals and the, the foreign fauna. And yeah. it's, it was just amazing to see the, the contrast in the performances as well, which was brilliant. All right, going on to the men's game. So in this one, the Maori side took, the, took out the win here, 16 to 10, and it was absolutely pouring down. So the women pretty much got through the, their game without any rain. It did rain the night before, and it was a wet track, but they didn't have to deal with it throughout the match, whereas the men, it was pouring down. And like to the point where the, the TV was going grey at times because there was so much rain there. It did not stop them from throwing the ball around. It was exciting in a different way in that, they were chancing their hand, uh, which was good, but the passion and the intensity and the, I'm not going to say hate, but the rivalry, the rivalry, it was awesome. And I always look forward to this game. And it, it's bigger than any of the preseason trials. There's more on the line with this because instead of just fighting for a position in your team, there's an actual trophy, et cetera, at stake here. And pride. Me, me and Adam are about to get an argument about this too. We are so not. And um, <laughs> we are. What? what let's say what, let's say what the game lacked in quality at times. It made up for in passion. And there was two or three times where the teams came together after a semi late shot, I guess, or a clip a around the chin here or shot. there. <laughs> um. <laughs> Or maybe an illegal shoulder charge, whatever, whatever. It, it the response to those was origin like with the the passion that came in to try and start something. Freaking poor Fafita getting Simbin. He wasn't even the first player in. That's just um, reputation. Unfortunately, you build that up yourself. Uh, big performances in this. Joseph Tarpane as captain had an absolute blinder. I think 125 meters, seven tackle breaks, a try. 
uh, was outstanding. One desire. And uh, was that on Tapene as well? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, I said mentioned earlier, James Fisher Harris, which was everywhere. Um, try and think in the backs, like when the Indigenous backs got a chance to run, they definitely did. But it wasn't that style of game with the amount of rain that was coming down. It just didn't suit perfectly timed backline moves, that sort of stuff. Uh, Jordan Rapana was freaking everywhere when he was on the field. He did get sin binned <laughs> and end up getting a two-game suspension from two different instances. But when he was on, he was in everything, taking hit-ups, tackling, support play. He was great to watch, I thought. Um, trying to say who else. Um, for the Indigenous side, I mentioned earlier Nico Hines. Now... As a shark supporter watching this match, I'd be pretty. I'd be mostly pleased from what I saw out of Nico Hines, uh, uh, as opposed to Braden Trindle and Will Kennedy. Uh, Kennedy struggled to get into the game, and that that happens every now and then, especially when it's. I and he's not a, not a player who plays on a wet track. And then also playing out of different combinations, that sort of stuff. It just some days it just doesn't work for you. Um. Jesse Ramian was pretty strong. Josh Adekar was pretty strong. But Nico Hines' kicking game, and I mentioned it earlier, it was brilliant. Um, his touch on short kicks, he had a couple of little chips, you know, those, just those little ones from about 25 metres out. They just chip over the centre, um, just inside the wing, and his rolls into the end goal. Had a couple of those, a couple of deft little grubbers, and then some booming kicks, just missed the 40-20. And... Um, uh, it was the uh, who kicked the 40 20 in the next play? It might have been Albert Kelly, I think it was. Um, I was really surprised. Obviously, he didn't have to do it much at the storm, and I couldn't get it in my head leading up to the season who was how he was going to kick, how's he going to suit that sort of style. And he was the controlling half over Trindle. Um, Which is very surprising. Yeah, I was really surprised. As a Shark supporter, I'm glad he's got that in his tool bag. But I wanted him to run the ball more. Like That's what made him such a dangerous player is running the ball. He's a more dangerous runner than Trindle. So I'd probably want that to balance out a bit more, going back to club level if, I, if I'm a Sharks fan. But if that's the first look at him this year in a hard roll, huge ticks. He, he, was, he, was, he was just a really well-executed game um, by Hines. I, I was very impressed. Um, he was probably the best half out of the four overall with regards to game control and creating chances. Considering that was cool. his, Well, what, to me, he was. Um, Cody Nicarima was quite lively, especially in the first, first 20 minutes. And both he and Shannon Harris-Tavita uh, a two of four Warriors halves fighting for two positions with Sean Johnson, Ash Taylor. And I thought Nicarima got himself off to a really good start. Um, but then he kind of just disappeared throughout the rest of the game, uh, which is disappointing. Um, who else? I'm trying to think like, who else really stood out. Like, obviously, the Indigenous try from the first half of Feeder's run from his. 20 meter line 25 meter line was 
awesome. That was set up from the inside. Early ball out wide. Nico Hines gave it to him early. Um, he got ahead of steam up. Three people were brushed aside. Uh, yes, you got a shit talking text message after that. Yeah. Oh, no. I think you started it. Um, no, you started it. And then Jesse Ramian finishing off that trial. Something about Jared saying Fafita never runs from inside his own half. And I was like, well, when he gets the ball, he will. And he did that. Uh, which is pretty cool to see. Um, Sitting there enjoying yeah. myself and just got a shit-talking message from Adam. Yeah, it was brilliant. I'll, I'll sound like a bit like a homer here, but I thought uh, Dylan Walker had a, a pretty solid game. His two biggest runs were through the middle of the field. He was picked in the centres. Um, he, he stayed involved, which is really good to see. Um, yeah, I... I in I enjoyed it. Oh, Tyrell Sloan, that's the other one. Thank you. He um used his speed to get through on a opportunist indigenous that? side. Sorry, who were you thanking? No, I, I was. I knew there was another name. I was trying to. Yeah, no, you thank yourself for remembering. Oh yeah, no, I scrolled down on the screen, so I was thanking myself <laughs> for scrolling down. Good work, Adam. Thanks, man. No <laughs> great, great work, Adam. Great Anytime. work. Anytime. So. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the entire afternoon. Uh, the war dances as well with the, the Maori finishing right up in the face of the Indigenous team. And again, the Indigenous team do the dance differently. And this year, every one of the players had a spear and a boomerang. It was the first time that every player from the Indigenous oh, side was, was armed, was which is really cool. Someone. Because the Indigenous team got really close to the Maori team. Yeah, at the end. I thought someone's going. I thought that they were going to get their eye. Someone's going to get a eye poked out there. No, yeah, well, that, the spears. They, they, yeah, they were swinging around pretty. They, they obviously know really well how to control them and stuff like that. But this is how close they were. I'm like, oh, here yeah. we go. It's going to knock out someone like Joey Leilu Forex. Yeah, it was. Um... It was, real, it was a new dance and it was different to see. Patrick Herbert had a key role in the Maori dance as well. And yeah, it, the only gripes I had on the whole night. Here we go. And there's always going to be a gripe, of course, um, was how long the game took itself. <laughs> and there were so many stoppages <laughs> in this game, which... Ones in my opinion didn't have to happen, didn't need to occur. And this is still a marketing thing. Every now and then, I think the NRL misses a trick on in that this is a showcase game. It's a it's a big event on the league calendar. It's not an NRL game, it doesn't count towards the standings. And when it's a game like that, just like an all-star game in any other sport overseas, it's refereed slightly differently to enhance the entertainment factor and the showcase factor. Andrew, uh, Adam G, is it? The referee? I thought had a fantastic game. If, he, if that was an NRL game, a week-to-week -week NRL game, I thought he had a really good game. He went up to the bunk. I think the bunker was more questionable with their decisions than the referee was. But for a showcase game like this, I wish that behind the scenes, the NRL were saying, this is a big showcase game. If something's 50-50, err on the side of the attacking side. Um, or if something 
that we'd pull up in the NRL occurs, let it go if it's not going to put anyone in danger, obviously. Just to up that factor of enjoyment, entertainment, 25,000 people there sitting there through the rain, the first televised big game in the season, you want it to flow and be as good a product as it can. And like I said, he refereed it perfectly for an NRL game. I think there was just a couple of things here and there. You've got to understand the sense of occasion that you're refereeing to, and it does change. And we know that the refereeing in State of Origin is different to regular season. Jared's going to say it's not, um, or it shouldn't be. No, it shouldn't be, but it is. And that's just the fact of it. And yeah, early no, finals this, is refereed no. differently to the rest of the season. That's just the fact this, of it. This oh, is my it God. You, I'm going to start calling you Phil Gould because this is exactly what Phil Gould rants about. Same with Andrew Johns, and everyone freaking hates it. I don't, I don't of, I, I, I think it should be refereed differently. Yeah, you no, you can't be refereed re- differently. Bottom line, there are rules there. You enforce them. Honestly, Adam's essentially rules that saying they change every Josh Adokar's running. Yeah, it doesn't matter if they change. At the time, the referee follows what he's got. Adam, What Adam's saying essentially is Josh Adokar runs the end of the field, 90-minute try. He's got, you know, the whole back line of what Maori's chasing him. One corner of his boot goes on the sideline from a very strong defensive chase from, from the Maori team. Adam goes, do you know what? Let it go. It's cooler if he scores. No, no it's not a cool No, no, that's to. exactly what you're saying because you are trying to create gray areas where there's no gray areas. You are going, you know what? Because it's an event and it looks cooler, let it go. That's what you're saying right now. You've taken that whole thing and you brought it down to a black and white one where there's no, no right, because, because what you're trying to do, and we had a massive issue with black and white and sorry, what we call gray areas in rugby league. We're trying to stamp them out as much as we possible all through last year in origin, in finals, in, in, in um, regular NRL games. And now you're like, you know what? If it's a 50, 50 call, let's make it more gray by just going to the attacking team. You've got to just put a line in the sand, mate. You can't just go, oh, it's a big occasion. Let them do what the hell they want. You no, can't that's do going, that. That's going too far the other way. If you're no, talking about... How no, far? No, no. If you're talking about a but, foot but, on the line, you... that's black and white. You can see it on the line or you can't. What I was talking about with regards to the Rapana and the Fafita stuff, you don't need to put them in the bin for what they did. Let them stay on. Let the passion go out. The game's better if they're both on the field. No, there's no two points at stake. There's the no rules. next week at stake. All that sort of stuff. Have, they're breaking. They're, they're changing the rules by having four quarters anyway. No, they're, they're modifying as much the rules. Not changing ah, the rules. There we go. So, so they're modifying the rules to make it easier on the players because they're unfit. Yes. But you're saying people punch on, let them go, kick down. They didn't punch on. No one punched on. Evil, he, you, never you, would can't, you can't say this. Changing a, a foot into touch is a black and white. It's either in or out. That's it. There's no gray area. With a high tackle, there's always going to be gray area anyway, whether it bounced off this or it went this like this. Arada, arada, arada. What they did was not a simvenable offense. The second one that Rapana did, yes, I get that one. He ran 
the tackle was brilliant already. He didn't need to do it because Herbert had made an awesome cover tackle anyway. Um, that one I understood, but it was the stuff earlier on in the game. There's just a couple of chances, like the bunker no try decision as well. Like, come on. Everyone at that stadium, everyone watching on TV knows that Will Kennedy's hand is not big enough to cover an entire football just because you can't see it touch a blade of grass doesn't mean it didn't happen. He's not freaking Luke Chamberlain whose hand can wrap the entire ball. It was a try. Stop creating grey areas. No, they created it. Stop. No, you got to stop advocating for the grey areas. I haven't haven't talked to anyone who said that's not a try. 100%. I don't care who you've talked to. 100%. The reality of it is It was a try. Thank you, Jared. Let's move on. Shut up. You. Um, the reality of it is you can't sit there and try and change the rules because there's 25 people, thousand okay. people in state. Talking about changing the rules, um, did you know that some penalties in the NRL are worth two points, but other penalties aren't worth two points? So some penalties mean more than other penalties? Well, like um, that. the rule of scrums and stuff where you can't take a penalty job. No, no, no. Like a head high is worth more than holding someone down in the ruck. To what? Super coach? No, it just means you're allowed to kick for goal, which is worth two points to your team. Wait, is it, has that changed? Supposedly. I was just... I would um, say so All-Star, Maori All-Stars are up by six with about three minutes to go. They were 15 metres out from the post and the Indigenous team gave away a ruck infringement penalty. Because they're in the attacking half, it was wave six again. If you're up by six with three minutes to go and you get a penalty, you're shooting for goal to go up by eight. Now, because that was a ruck penalty, you can lay on that person as much as you like. The other team's only going to get a sixth again. They're not going to get a penalty goal. If it was a head high, they would have got a shot at goal. Now, why is a penalty for a head high worth more than laying down in the ruck? One of them will give you a chance at two points. The other one won't. That's one, fair enough. one could decide whether you... And he, win a game here we are game. again, talking about the six again. In, 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 in I'm equity. just saying, like, if I was a coach of the Maori team right then, if I get a penalty, I'm taking two points because it puts okay, me like eight. It's, a, it's a great. That's fair enough. That's and they got a penalty. That's been, that's been in the rule for the last 18 months. Rule for the last 18 months. I know, and they still haven't blown up about so it basically means look no no again whatever you're echoing you feel good yeah but it's just stupid you can do whatever you, you want you, and you know you're not going to give away two points so can you say it? no about 12 times in a row for me right now How do you can you just do it with that jared so i do have an issue with it but i'm saying what you're doing right now is echoing good in the last two things you've said so can you just say no two times 12 times for me mm, or <laughs> the fact that I just want I want to play I want a captain just to say no 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 we don't want the six and we want a shot at goal that that won't happen because that means he has to stop play sweet so if I'm down the other end I'm just holding onto the ball as long as I can till my defense is set no because if you do that for long enough you do it enough Ooh. times it's that's gray area because you don't know when the rest gonna do it free that's been told three. that's been told about yeah. 5,000 million times. That one got done last course. year, too. 
Um, yeah, yes, it has. How many people got Simbin last year for it? Half the Roosters team did. That was last year. This is a different season. New rules. You know what's going to happen. We've had um, one game. It's going to cost a team a final spot or a game. Well, no, 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 no. See, there he is. There you are. <laughs> um, the upside of how old Phil over here is calls for an Indigenous All Stars. Um, World Cup berth to me was going too far and the same to Laurie Daly. I do love the idea of an Indigenous All-Stars tour and a Maori All-Stars tour. So if you think about, we've had kangaroo tours, obviously, which I'm not going to say a thing of the past, but they're less and less frequent. Uh, Um, Not what they used to be. No, I would love, and what an endorsement of the game, to have a Maori and an Indigenous all-Stars tour at the end of a season. They go over and take on um, Great Britain or England, France, some of the Super League teams. That'd be... It's, it's very similar to the Barbarians concept in Rugby Union, which is hugely popular at the end of the Rugby Union international they campaign. They Barbarians in Rugby League because I know they do it in cricket. They do it in a world... world I think they have they done it in league before, but the Barbarians is the generally the big union concept. Yeah, I reckon it's a great idea. Yeah, and I, I would 100% be up for that, especially even if you did like sign of a round robin, a Pacifica Islander thing. So like Tonga, Fiji, Papua New Guinea, um, Indigenous and Maori, uh, as opposed to straight out and out New Zealand or Australia. I think that would yeah, be great you know to watch. Do you know what I'd love to see? So every after every year, everyone goes to Australia playing, New Zealand playing. What I would love to see is a Pacific Nation Cup. Yeah. Where, where you've got the Indigenous All-Stars, you've got the Maori All-Stars playing against all of them. Yeah. And you get, it's like a World Cup for the Pacific Nations. Yeah. That would be awesome. Where it's not Australia, the, well, the sorry, not Wallabies, fuck. Kangaroos aren't even involved where you just throw yeah, all them in there. That'd be a you way You didn't better. listen to our crazy concepts idea, did you? Jesus. No, because you can't one that there's a oh, three man, week three week one. block in the middle of the season you have origin the wednesday 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 on the weekends you have a a cup basically with all the pacific islanders versing each other you throw them in that that'd be brilliant obviously not the ones who get selected for state of origin um but you look at the two sides here there's a number, obviously, that have been state of origin, and, but you'd and, still and, be able to find a lot of players. Never do it. Yeah, of course I wouldn't. It makes too much sense. You would take it away from state of origin. No, it's state of origin in the middle of the week. It gets its own standard no, no, night, no. What and I'm these are on the weekend. Is, I want to make state of origin the epitome that Channel 9 and Rugby League make, would. make the most money out of a state of origin. I'm pretty sure that was a reason in 2020 when they played that series at the end of the year, that NRL pulled in the green um, yeah. for their monetary value. So if they pull players like Josh Adokari, probably played for the Indigenous team instead of New South Wales into the weekend comp, and they gave him that option, um, yeah, he wouldn't you're play. Arguing, he wouldn't you're play. arguing the side of entertainment now. I like it. Um, no, I'm not I, I'm just arguing the NRL won't do it because... <laughs> Players will not play for State of Origin. They'll play for their Pacific Nation. Yeah, that's their choice. Um, I told you it's more important. Or it could be. Could be to some. Um, Canberra Waves, when we said before, 
Rapana will miss the first two weeks due to the inside of a shoulder charge and carryover points. Bullshit. Uh, we, Great tackle. Yeah, fine. Uh, we talked about the Canberra side last week. I'd assume someone like Matsumoka will come in on the wing or uh, who was the other Alex one? Semi Valemi. No, Harley Smith Shields is out for the season. ACL. Um, no. But one of those other youngsters will get the crack for those two weeks, you would assume. All righty. I think that's everything I had on the Indigenous All-Stars, unless there was anything, or the All-Star matches, unless there was anything else from you, Gerard. Nah, nope. good. All right, cool. So that brings us on to our next round of games. So Charity Shield and Trial match fixtures. So the Broncos played a game against Wyndham Manly over the weekend as well. Won that one 52-0, I believe. Um and a couple of players standing out who we'll get to later. But preseason schedule pretty much kicks off this weekend outside of the big uh, exhibition matches. So Roosters, Canberra, then Tigers, Manly kick off a double header at Leichhardt on Friday night. Uh, on Saturday, you've got Storm, Warriors, Cowboys, South Titans and Broncos all playing. Sunday, Penrith, Cronulla, Parramatta and St. George. And then Monday, Newcastle and Canterbury. So all teams, I believe they're in action. Do I miss someone? Uh, eight games. Yeah, eight games there. And then again, the following weekend is another round of uh, trials. Obviously the big one or the historical one there being the Charity Shield between uh, Rabbitohs and St. George. So that will be out at Mudgee, 7 p.m. on the 26th of February. But we'll update those next week as we get results. And as Jared said before the game, uh, Newcastle will be playing during our pod recording next week. So that'll be good. So keep an eye out for them. If it's anything like the Brisbane Broncos lineup that they put out, there will be quite a mix of players. That's a good game on the weekend too. Yes. And games should be aired... Um, on NRL.com and sometimes also on the NRL Facebook page, but just on oh, KO this year. On oh, KO as well. That's true. Um, all right, let's get on to some club news before we get into our one to sevenines of Sharks and Dragons, which we should say at the start of the show. So West Tigers currently have a contract in place at ANZ Stadium, though they have to play home games there, but that expires in 2023. And as rugby league does, they always look a season ahead of time. They're looking to not renew that contract and instead host all of their home games out of Leichhardt and Campbelltown, which would be brilliant. So if you look at just Amazing. the 2022 schedule, the Tigers play game home games at Leichhardt, Campbelltown, Combake Stadium, ANZ, as well as Tamworth. And you've got to include Magic Round there as well. That's six different home venues for them this year. So hopefully in 2023 onwards, sorry, at the end of 2023, they're hoping to use Leichhardt and Campbelltown as their home bases throughout the whole season. So obviously this would be with regards to the $75 million redevelopment of Concord Training Complex, which is due to be completed in the next coming months. So I really like, what Justin Pascoe said in this situation. <laughs> That's the line we never said on this podcast. I said in this situation. 
It's clear when you look at all the really successful clubs around the world that they have a true understanding of their identity and a fortress they can call their own for all home games. Um, you can always finish that with duh. And West Tigers are working towards making that a reality. I love watching games at Leichhardt and Campbelltown and I just love watching games at Suburban Grounds. So that's yeah. all good news in my opinion. Every, every team should be pushing for this. Every the NRL should be pushing for redevelopment of all the suburban grounds. You know, Brookvale, Leichhardt, sorry, the Lilyfield Rectangle, um, Campbelltown, you know, Parramatta was a shithole before they put Bank West there. So, yeah, and there's Queensland Country Bank Stadium as well. Jared's brother there, goes for Parramatta, hence why he's so nasty towards them. Oh, they burned it down twice. Um, literally burned it down. So, yeah, all, all the money going into these suburban grounds is just to fight. amazing for rugby league. And what proves it is when last year, the probably shining light came in, coming out of last year was not Penrith winning the grand final. Just so you know, my other brother sports Penrith was um, all the suburban grounds they played at, you know, up at Rockhampton, Mackay, all those grounds. They're more packed out than any other, than all the rest of them because the, the locals actually had a chance to see an NRL games. Like the double headers up north, from where we are now were absolutely amazing like the uh-huh. atmosphere there was epic and that was the like one of the sh- one shining light coming out of this all this covid stuff from the last 18 months was the fact that all these games got to be played and a lot more people got to see it in queensland and if the nrl's not looking at looking at that and going this is what we need to capitalize on they're absolutely kidding themselves 100 percent um Moving on to Canberra Raiders. So really good news here if you're a Raiders fan. Looks as though Tom Starling is going to extend his contract with the club for a further two years. And with this being Josh Hodgson's last year at the club, um, you have to be stoked. And we're both big fans of Tom Starling. Um, I'm really starting to get sick of these Newcastle juniors doing really well for other clubs. Well, so the difference is they've left off. Newcastle, and that's that's why they're doing well. Um, <laughs> so, fair cool. Fair cool. I, if you haven't watched Tom Starling, um, Nuggety, if your fucker. team, uh, when your team plays Canberra this year, keep an eye out for him. He'll be coming off the bench in number 14, unless Hodgson's injured. Absolute live wire out of dummy half. Uh, Damien Cook style where he likes to run, but he's got more to his game, I think. With regards to deception of passing and a kicking game, uh, very, very high rugby league IQ as well. I, so, I actually have a feeling that he's an Australian champion beach sprint. That's Damien Cook. No, they both are. Oh, really? Oh, no idea. He's just really quick. Oh, God, don't just say that stuff out there. <laughs> um, he'd be one of the young players I'm, that I'd want to bring to my club if I had the chance. Yeah, you need a hooker. Yes. Jackson one that's allowed to, one that's allowed to play and this is just a little interesting story out of the Broncos and this is obviously based off one preseason game preseason training but Ezra Mam has really put himself into calculations for that vacant Broncos 58 role uh, according to Adam Reynolds he's the player that's 
really stood out to him during preseason, the drills, and then in the game itself. He's up against Tyson Gamble, Albert Kelly, and Billy Walters, all for that 5-8 role. So, but it looks as though he's really making a case for himself. And Walters has used that old line is, if ma'am is good enough, he's old enough. So, yeah, this is um, something to keep an eye on there, Broncos. So, this is is probably the biggest conversation coming out of Broncos now, because who is going to play six? Yes. Because the issue is that Reynolds was brought there to win an apprenticeship in the, what, two, three years he has, he has left, barring injury. You know, he doesn't have overly long. Um, the last year when Walters was looking after the Broncos, he had about, about, about 12 halves pairings or something in a year. So well, it's yeah, a high number. 13. Yeah, it's yeah, it a high number. It's um, um like yeah, the, for so, once though they've got decent options there. Like we're both well, fans of Billy Walters. Tyson Gamble brings a lot of passion, but does have up and down games. And Albert Kelly, when he stepped in last year, was really good. And they're playing with Adam Reynolds, who Adam Reynolds could make me look good because he'd literally tell me what to do, where to be, and just do your job. And for someone like Ezra Man, would be perfect. Like whoever he puts the six. What he's got to do is not pull him out early, like with the, with the fact with um, with his tendency to, you know, make halves pairings because not all of them were injury suspension based. No, so a lot of it is gone. We put him, mate. Let's change things up. Yeah. So <laughs> what he's got to do is just go. You know what? You're going to have the six jersey. This is how we're going to play, and you've at least got you know, 14, 15 games in that jersey barring injury. 100%. And, and that's what the Broncos fans would, instead of going, oh, if he's good enough, he's old enough, or, you know, he played a really good game, his stats back that up, and, you know, he's got a lot of good attitude out there. I like his spirit, yada, 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 all that bullshit that comes out of preseason. As a Broncos fan, I'd be like, you know what, I want him to definitively say, you know, a month out from the season, this is my guy. He's going to get a decent crack. He's going to partner Reynolds. That would bring more confidence out of what's going to happen than all just, the rest of it. You've also then got to look at the lines. impact it has on the other three who are going to train their house down for a month knowing that they won't get the gig. But then it's an attitude thing, I guess. Yeah, um, uh, and that's uh, pro sport. Uh, and as a fan, w- would you prefer that? Someone came out and just went, you know, this is it. I would much prefer that at Newcastle. Because right if I, now, if I like the decision. <laughs> Sorry? If I like the decision. But no, don't give me a month worth of but even if, ammo. Even if you don't like the decision, you sit there and go, sure, fuck, you made a decision. About time. So in Newcastle, no, no, there's about five people vying for that seven jersey. No one even knows who's going to play seven. I'd just rather, even if it's the last guy, even if it was Kurt Mann, there you go. Even if it was Kurt Mann, I'd respect yes. Adam Bryan for making the decision. I'd hate it, but I'd respect Wow, Jared is doing, he's bringing Kurt Mann into the discussion on purpose. <laughs> See, my coach makes decisions. I just don't agree with them sometimes. Um, <laughs> we're going to wrap this section of the show up. We're going to come back with our 1-17 to team list for the Sharks and the Dragons and update you with regards to the ins and outs and injuries uh, heading into the 2022 season. 
All right. Well, that break was a little longer than expected, but for you guys, it's just like a click anyway, so it doesn't really matter. All right. We're going to start with the Sharks. So Sharks out of the Cronulla Shire finished the 2021 season in ninth place, just outside the top eight uh, on for and against. They finished with the same points as the Titans in eighth and the same amount of points as the Raiders in 10th. Uh, 10 wins, 14 losses, points differential of negative 36, uh, a four and eight away record and six, six home record. I don't know why I keep reading that because it was fake because um, of the COVID season in Queensland. All right, 2022 games. Uh, Jaden Beryl, Kay Dykes, uh, Lockie Miller, Ryan Rivette, uh, Jack Martin are all of the... Uh, up-and-coming players, development players. And then big-name signings, Dale Finucane from the Storm, Nico Hines from the Storm, signed on to 2025 and 2024, respectively, Matt Ikevali from the Roosters till 2023, and Cam McInnes from the Dragons, signed through to 2025, so making the cross to an arch-rival there. 2022 losses, Will Chambers back to Rugby Union, Josh Dugan retired, Sean Johnson to the Warriors, Nene McDonald to Lee Centurions, Believe scored a double on debut. Billy Magoulis, uh, Warrington Wolves, he was the unlucky forward, I guess, that they couldn't fit in. Uh, Chad Townsend to the Cowboys and Aaron Woods to the Dragons. I would have put that in too, only 22 games, but anyway. Um, ah. Boom! All right. Uh, I found when picking this side that there were probably two positions where they, sorry, what? Well, one position really where they were pretty thin, uh, but the rest they have options. So, do you want to go first? Yeah. All so right. obviously, Kenny, Kennedy gets the starting one. I've got Katoa and Ikavalu on the wings. Um, I've actually moved Mulatalo into the centres. I think he can handle that with, with Ramian. It's exactly the same Will- five I had because centre was the yeah. position where I was struggling. Yeah, I'd put, I couldn't fit anyone. I figured Mulatalo, you know, he's yeah. earned his stripes. I don't, don't quite trust Moeen Hiroti yet. Yeah. Although I do have an asterisk next to, and I'm going to butcher his last name. I apologise in advance. Jensen, Tom... Tomo Powell, Tomo Powell, um, yet to make his debut, centre, 102 kilos, 190 centimetres. Um, so big boy and has been upgraded to a full contract this year. I haven't seen enough of him to play to be confident at NRL yet, level yet, but I think he might be a name to um, keep an eye on this season. But yes, sorry, I agree with you with your back fight. I've got Moylan and Hines in the halves. Fanukin up front with Rudolph, mm. Rayleigh at hooker, Graham at second row with Nakora or Talakai on the other edge. One of the two could go there. With McInnes at lock, Connor Tracy as a utility, Talakai and Nakora on the bench with Braden Hamu Newelli and Jack Williams around that 17. Wow, this is the team we've just like we've got different ones on so many things. Yeah, really? Yeah. I agree with the five. I don't think I had one position the same. Two. No, yeah. two. I had two positions the same. Hey, we got to stop. we got to stop. I can hear a crying baby. Yeah, I'm going to go see Ali. All right. 
I'll tell you when it's so, so Jared is showcasing his multitasking skills here for anyone who is watching this through Spotify. He's um, feeding his bubba, little alley there, uh, while we continue our recording. So we just Jared's just gone through his one to 17 list of Cronulla. Um, justifications for your forward pack. And how can you not decide between Nakor and Talakai? They're completely different players. That's my point. Like They can pick and choose wherever they want, depending on the team they're playing. I think Nakora will get it, but I loved the way Talakai plays. I really rate Talakai very highly. And um, very solid player. Doesn't let you down. And I think he's deserved more of a mention after his efforts last year. Yeah. But I think Cronulla, with getting rid of Aaron Woods, they've got, they've got a very mobile pack. Mm-hmm. And with Fanukin and Rudolph up front, I really like that because no one's getting through the middle of that plus Rudolph and Fanukin are damaging enough and then you add McKinnis on top of that he's just going to make 60 70 tackles and the creativity of Jaden of Jay, um, sorry Blake Braley are going to have a solid solid decision and then you know Wade Graham's the fittest he's been in about eight or nine years this is his first preseason in that long where he's not that does not have an injury so give him a week <laughs> Um, and then Connor Tracy played in the wing a lot last year, but he could play literally anywhere in the field. He could play lock, he could play hooker, he could play halves, he could play in the back line. Nakora Taukai, and then Braden Hamuel Newelli bring him in for 20 minute spits, um, stints, which means that, you know, Fanukin and Rudolph, they could play 80 minutes if they need to. And then you've got Jack Williams who can play anywhere in the fullback. I think that's a very well rounded team, to be honest. So no, no spot for Woods. He's at the Dragons. Oh, of course he is. Sorry, I meant uh, Tolman. No spot for Tolman. Tolman, no, no. Feeder. Nah. Yeah, cool. Braden Hanyuelli covers what Feeder does, and Jack Williams covers what Tolman does with more size on him. Right. He's the second row though. He can right. play up front. Look at the size of him. And then you got, and you, because you can't have Tolman when you've got Fanukin. Fanukin's just a better version of Tolman in every way. Yeah, cool. I have a lot of the same players, but in different spots. So I, I, I'm, my six, seven's different to yours already. I've got Hines at five, eight, and Trindle at half. Um, Jeez, does Moylan get a run? No. Yeah, right. Uh, sorry, I got Rudolph and Hamanuele up front, up front, and McInnes at dummy half, uh, which puts Fanukin at lock. Now it's a hard choice leaving Blake Braley out, but McInnes and Fanukin are both better players overall than Braley, and I want them on the field to start my game. I like the idea of bringing Braley on half an hour in the middle of the game, and you can shift McInnes to lock. Um, or just give him a spell, depending on how he and Fanukin are travelling. It's I nice think, for them to have that luxury. I think Fitzgibbon, we're aiming to have McInnes and Fitzgibbon on 80 minutes. Fitzgibbon and McInnes. Oh, oh sorry. Fanukin, Fanukin and McInnes, sorry. yeah. Yeah, yeah and it's just, it's just there is, is um, insurance, I guess. 
Uh, my second row is pretty easy. I had Nakora and Talakai because they're the best two second rowers at the club now. And they are not. Graham's still better. No, he's not. He's um he's good every three games when he has one cutout pass. But he's on my bench still because he adds that variety and he Unknown. can still play center or yeah. um second row. He's got skills all over, but he hasn't had even half a season in what five years. So if I'm picking a 17 squad, I want as much solidarity and dependency as I can get. And with the back line with Mortalo, Ramian, Kennedy, Hines, there's enough creativity there anyway. So my bench is Blake Braley, Wade Graham, Teague Wilton, and Royce Hunt. Ooh, um, Royce Hunt. Well, I need to, right. I need a prop on the bench, and I didn't want Tolman. I didn't want Fafita. Uh, I started Hammond ULA, and I don't want to play for Nukin at prop. Uh, to me, Teague Wilton's a better all-round player than Jack Williams. Jack Williams is solid. Don't get me wrong. He's Can I obviously good enough for NRL, but Wilton brings at least a little bit more technicality and skill factor, I think. And Royce Hunt's just a hard-running prop. And Billy McGoolis gone. Um, he should get more more crack at that bench role, although he'll be pushed by Franklin Pele. And also, I guess, yeah, Tolman and Fafita. Can I ask you a question? The way mm-hmm. Fanukan plays, yeah. is there any difference between lock and prop? Like, you've got players in the comp, like, I don't know. you got your players who play lock, like Victor Radley. Um, yeah. The way he plays lock is different. He couldn't play front row. But yeah. the way Fanukan plays... He's also not big enough, no, but yeah. There's no difference between him playing lock and front row with the positioning... And just the way they play. Well, I think like, there I, is. I don't see, not really. It's, he, he, him and Rudolph are the exact same player. For me. That, that's just how I see it. Like, I feel like Ken Kinnis... I don't, I don't want... The, the physical toll playing prop compared to lock to me is different because at the start of a set, especially off a kickoff, your props are set up in two specific positions for a reason to give them the biggest run back. The impact on your body at the start of a set is different to the impact of your body on the third hit up of the set. Yeah, but and the way Bradley, Melbourne play- there's no prop in the league apart from maybe Tamalolo who takes the first hit up of the set consistently, but puts the their way body in Melbourne the line, play, and doesn't lose explosivity. The way Melbourne play, mm. how many times does Fanu can take that run? All the time. Nah. Because he played 80 minutes in Melbourne, and whenever someone came on and played lock, he moved to front row. Yeah, well, that's... He, he that's does it not... all the time. I think he's just got to be moved to prop to fit McInnes and Braley on the same field. And with Fanukin, Rudolph, and McInnes, you're never, ever going to get through that middle. Well, maybe if you ran at Rudolph, but the other two. Um... <laughs> that's a bit rough. He still ran out of his game. He's still a young player, Rudolph. Um, like, if this is your issue, Cronulla's in a good position. Like, they've got one of the best forward packs, um, both with quantity and quality, because the, the, the ability to have Rudolph, Talakai, Graham, Fanukin, and Braley in a starting forward pack, and if you don't want that, you can have Hamanuela, Nakora, McInnes, um, Williams, and freaking anyone else. 
they're still NRL standard forward packs. I think a lot of Fitzgibbon selections is going to come down to the style of play he wants the team to play, which we don't know yet. Is it because um, we haven't seen him coach a side? But it's also then going to come down to how much stock he puts into scouting the other teams. And if he determines that the other team has a bullocking second rower like for feeder or kick out, but knows that there's defensive deficiencies there, you're probably going to put someone like Talakai who can withstand the onslaught, but then give it back. If you've got two shutdown second rowers who are good tacklers, um, but aren't going to offer too much in the run game, it might shift him to say, oh, you know what? We might um, have more offense on here and less defense because we're not going to have to worry about them running at us. I don't know. He's going to have yeah. so many different options. I think that's going to come into it. We just don't know yet because we haven't seen it. It's a very, team play. very good team. And as Adam said, we couldn't even fit like the likes of Tolman and Fafida in the squad. They're going to have a very solid forward pack for their reserve grades yeah. too. The only so position that they're lacking, I thought, was center as well. Because the wing is yeah. they've got Ikevalu. They've got him listed as a center, but he played pretty much exclusively on the wing. He did have a few games in at center at the Roosters. You got Sione Katoa and Mulatala, who are two really decent wingers already. And I can't see them being shifted. Um, and then you mentioned Connor Tracy. I couldn't find anywhere near a spot for him. Who was that um, bloke a couple of years ago? Roto, they've got. Drugs. Oh, it's Bronson insane. Sherry. Oh, mate. Imagine they had Bronson Sherry and Buddy Ramey I mean, in the center. Yeah, team. far out. Crazy. Oh, so and then you have Bulatalo on the wing. That'd be the, that'd be the best team in yeah. the comp, Nelly. I think insane. I've no. got, have I got one spot left in my five to eight? I think I even said that last week. Yeah, I think so. I... I've got a five to eight spot and a nine to 12 spot, I'm pretty sure. And that's oh, what I'm going to be using. I... I'm going five to eight. I um, I think uh, we've mentioned him a lot, but I feel like we can mention him more. He is, for me, the best signing of the entire competition, mm. and that's Dale Finucan. Oh, like, I thought you were gonna say um, what's his name? Aaron Woods, but no, he went to no, no, best signing for the competition, Dale Finucan. So if you if you speak to um. Andrew Johns, if you speak to Darren Lockyer, they say when they won their premierships in early 2000s for Newcastle and Broncos and then 2006, that um, the best players they had, the best players they brought in were Ben Kennedy for Newcastle and Brad Fawn for, because he brought him back from the Union, I'm pretty sure, to play in the 06 for Broncos, I, feel, yeah. I think, something like that. And they just bought that hard edge plus professional attitude into the comp. And this bloke, he has that in absolute spades. He's an absolute gun football player. For me, ridiculously underrated in the way he plays. I, I know. He's, he's your man good. crush. Oh, mate. I, I wouldn't let him do anything. Um, he's and, never going to win you a game, but he won't lose you a game either. But, but see, the thing about it is a couple of years ago, they um, Cronulla bought Aaron Woods. Sport spends a hell of a lot of money to buy this bloke, and they thought they were going to get what they're getting out of Finucane. Didn't even come close. No, like, did not no, even we, come anyone close. outside of the club could have seen that. I, I don't yeah, get why and, they come. it's just, and no one in the competition has any doubt this bloke is just going to 
turn this whole team around, especially like blokes like Toby Rudolph, who was very good to start with, but you have someone like Fanuka next to him, yeah. it's going to be massive. And yeah, I and the biggest compliment is Bellamy fought like hell to keep him. Um, five to eight, yeah, me as well. But yeah, Bell, Bellamy said Fanukin was guaranteed every spot, first pick every every week, and he, he wanted to keep him, but he just couldn't compete financially. Yeah, and that that's the biggest. That was the biggest surprise for me that Fanukin left out of all the players that have left Melbourne. But anyway. Hundreds. Um, That's scary. I, I was more surprised for Nuke and left than Kronk. Um, all right. So that moves us on to the Dragons. So they finished in 11th position, uh, two wins behind the Sharks, uh, 18 points, eight wins, 16 losses with a points differential of minus 142. Um. Yes, I'm not going to go off the form, off the home and away form, but they did finish the season 0-5, and that really cost them any chance of a top eight or a finals position. All right. They're, of course, coached by Anthony Griffin. So 2022 games, George Burgess, and there's been a lot of hype around him and the shape that he's in coming from Super League and back from his uh, hip labrum surgery, which is massive. That's a surgery I had on my shoulder, and I can't even begin to imagine what it'd be like having that done to your hip. Uh, Jack Koshevsky from the Sea Eagles, Moses Embai from the sea, uh, from the Tigers, uh, Tatao Monga from the Rabbitohs, Francis Molo from the Cowboys, uh, Moses Suli from the Sea Eagles, Aaron Woods from the Sharks, Jaden Sewell from the Rabbitohs. I'm pretty sure they got someone from every team. Shalem Orfu and Jonathan Rubin. Uh, the development signings, uh, losses, Jared Beal released, Eddie Blacker from Penrith, Billy Britton released, Adam Clune to the Knights, Matt Dufty to the Bulldogs, Kate Ellis to Wigan, Hayden Lomax released, Cam McInnes to the Sharks, Trent Merrin retired, Corey Norman retired, Jordan Pereira to the Broncos, Sean Sanu Iso released, Paul Vaughan to the Bulldogs, and Braden Williami to Rugby Union. So a lot of change, a lot of movement. And when you look at the gains, it's pretty much all forwards um, outside of Moga, Suli. Oh, and Embai. Yeah. But yeah, majority being forward signings. So, um, this team, this team is stacked. Yes. <laughs> I struggle with this one. Just because of the talent, not because there's no one, just the talent. I've got Tyro Sloan, Tyrell Sloan at fullback. Easy pick for me. I reckon he's going to be a very good fullback for a long time to come. Ravalawa and um, Fagai. I can't remember which Fagai, but one of the twins or Ramsey. So you've got Ravalawa, definite lock. Uh, Fagai or Ramsey on the other wing. Is it? Uh, I, I think, think it's Fangai, isn't it? Fangai. Sorry, yes. sorry. Um, I've got Suli and Lomax in the centers. Cool. Uh, Talatai Amone in the, at six with Ben Hunt at seven. I've got Burgess and Laurie up front with McCulloch at nine. Sim, Sua, and Jane, uh, Jane, Jack DeBellin. Sorry, not James. Jack DeBellin at lock. Cool. What? Like, this is just like Cronulla. Our forward backs are all over the place compared to each other. This is gonna be I got 
Bird at 14 with Mbai at 15. Yeah. Maguire and Molo round oh, out. Sorry, Maguire suspended till round seven. All right. Um, there's got to be someone else other than Woods, isn't there? Oh, oh what's so his name? Many. What's his name? Um, the Indigenous fella. Um, Jackson. Big talk. Josh Kerr. Josh Kerr. Josh Kerr, yeah. Put him in there instead of Maguire. Wow. That's a pretty... All right, what do you got? So my whole bench is different to yours. Uh, my two starting props are different, a second row and a lock. And a 5-8. You didn't have Jack DeBellin in there? No, nah, he's on my bench. Fuck, and now Wally's just having a connection. Yeah, he's just got to earn his way back in. Um, he did! He did not. It was pretty oh, easy to look It was pretty easy to look good in that Dragons forward pack at the end of the season. All right, come on. Let's see how wrong you are. What do you got? Um, I had Jaden Sullivan at six. Um, yeah, it's either for him or Amona. I like Amona. I like both, and that's the thing. I, I think they're both going to get a crack. Uh, is this Hunt's last season of his contract? I wouldn't be surprised. Know, Either way, these two will be It's going to be glorious when he loses. They lose a million dollars a year in their salary. Got to get rid of it. Yeah, and I think these two are going to be the, the halves moving forward. Uh, Wall would know a bit more about who'd be suit, more suited to half and 5'8", but um, I think two youngsters in key positions at once to start a season in Sloan and Sullivan's probably enough as opposed to three. But in saying that, the Titans are going for it. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, Ben Hunt at halfback. I had Josh Kerr and Francis Molo as starting props. I think Molo's got a big season in him after earning an origin berth and then kind of dropping off after that. And I think he's going to reevaluate at the end of last season and look to get back to the form that he was in. And he's got an opportunity here to lead a forward pack that hasn't got an out-and-out leader yet, I guess, of the props. Um, Blake Laurie's been there for the longest now, I think, in that position. Either him or Josh Kerr. He's been the most consistent, too. He has been. He has been. Uh, but so and this you'll see pretty quickly that St. George is very much like Cronulla where there is there are so many forwards that are interchangeable. Um, there's so many yeah. different um, systems. The one position they, they're short in is dummy half because you've got Andrew McCulloch and on their page, they don't have another dummy half listed. So like that's why Empire is going to get the 14. Yeah. And McCulloch's nothing outstanding in attack. So... Puts a lot yeah, of pressure on your game. Yeah, but there's so many other players in here that can do that. Um, well, the, see, the thing about that is that he makes 78 tackles. He won't run. That's the thing. But he'll give very, very crisp service. Like, I think he's the, the crispest service in the game. See, but I thought last year that fell away pretty a fair bit because yeah, there was a look, couple of times I, where, it, especially, did he play Origin last year? First game? Who else did they have? And it was his service was not flash. He, he, he never had... Yeah, but... He's never had, been an attacking we'll player. We'll go back to it. We'll go back to the origin. I'm pretty sure your halves really weren't clicking in that origin last year as well. Yeah, but we broke that down to a lot of the time the ball was coming backwards out of dummy half, which put him on the back foot straight away, which didn't help. Yeah, that is... I oh, actually know that is true. I just, I just think that... Like, you compare it to Manly with Lock and Croker, I think on McCulloch's day, the service is that good that last year, when last couple of years of Croker playing nine, 
Cherry Evans is on the back foot a few times because the ball's not going yeah. where he needs it to go. The difference here is, though, you've got Cherry Evans, Foran, and Trebojevic trying to work out and create points off bad service, which will work. Here you've got Sloan, Sullivan, and Hunt. Yeah, and no, I do get the it. same thing. I get it. I don't, and they're I talented. That. Don't get me wrong. It's just they don't have they the track see, record of being able to do it yet. They're, they're not Foran, DC, and Trebojevic. Yeah. No, 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 no. I get it. I'm just saying that he'll make 70 to 90 tackles a game, old man mm. Carlick will. Um, if you had someone doing that, plus if he was on his day doing the Chris service, You'd have it's Cameron not the worst Smith. thing in the world. <laughs> you, you just don't have the the focal point of attack coming out of nine. And that's yeah. why I think Envy comes in at 14. But keep going, sorry. Could be. Um, my back row, Jaden Sewer, Tyrell Fui Mayono, and Jack Bird. I really want Bird on an edge, but I I don't see Sua or Fulmero hey, any better suited at lock than Bird is. I can't but believe you've got the footwork and the you're not giving the bell in the third and your justification. No, 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 no. And your justification is I think he needs to earn it back and you compare it to Jack Bird who has not earned anything the last couple of years. Yeah, but he's a more talented player. He can do more than just... I don't agree with that at all. The Bellin's one-dimensional to me. He just runs and tackles. Same thing as... No, he's one of the... He, 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 he was the first Victor Radley, Brendan Smith... Yeah, that was four player. years ago. I haven't hey, seen that he again. Still do he did it last year. Bloody hell. Whatever. Either or. Um, yeah, I don't know. I. Either or. They're all in... That that back row is sick. You can in, you could put yeah. Tariq Sims in there if you wanted to. You could put Bellin in there. I don't know. Um, I just love the aggression for a man who plays. He might be a better bench player, but I just love his edge work. Um, on my bench, I've gone four forwards. So I went Jackson Ford, Jack DeBellin, George Burgess, and Tariq Sims. Um, yeah. Monster forward pack coming off the bench. Um, DeBellin can play prop or lock. Uh, Burgess will play up front. I want him coming off the bench, coming back to the NRL. I think they may be looking at the blueprint of his brother at South last year and how damaging he was coming off the bench a little bit later in the game. Um, Sims is there as a one-for-one -one exchange for Sue and Fui Mayono, as is Jackson Ford. Um, if you do get stuck in the backs, we did see Fui Mayono play in the centres last year, and Jack Bird obviously can do that as well. Um, so wait, you don't have M boy in there at all. Why? To cover McCulloch? No. Yeah, right. Well, McCulloch doesn't run, so he's not going to get buggered that way. It's just his tackling. Oh, this creates more, has some more creativity in the middle because you've got Jack Birdie's learning how to play in the middle. Uh, and you've well, got McCulloch who... Kid, so he knows what to do. Well, yeah, but we both know playing lock as a kid is different from playing lock as a, in the NRL. He'll be fine. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a big call. I, I, I really like the fact that I've got Bird on the bench because he can cover a lot of positions, plus Mbai can cover a lot of positions. Yeah, but I, I, I think it takes longer to learn how to play off the bench. Like Dylan Walker yeah, said right. that last year, he really didn't agree with the change to start with, but then, and he only lost his center because he got injured and then Harper came in, I think, and just played supposedly too well to get knocked out. 
But then he's like, he learned to play the role. He learned to love it. He learned to bulk up. But he said it took half the season to learn, all right, when I go in there, how busy is too busy? Um, how busy is not busy enough? Um, am I meant to be running? Am I meant to be passing? He said it's just a different psyche of position. Um, I don't see You're Jack right. Bird as that sort of player to be able to come on and just be a benchy. I want him injury-free for one. Um He's got more dimensions than coming off the bench. If you want to take Ford off the bench and put M by there, that's fine. Um, my I, I just struggle to get rid of. I just got struggled to get rid of Sim, Silver, and Jack DeBellin. I really do. Um, I think that's their best back row. Yeah, it's imposing. It's strong. It runs a good line. All yeah. three of them. Yeah. I uh, and uh, but. I, and that's how I, that's the only reason I can get Bird and the team on the bench. I can't see him anywhere else. Well, that's the other it, thing with having McCulloch at dummy half because he's going to wrap up so many tackles. It means Bird will have to do less, which means he's going to have more creativity and footwork through the middle. Um, and we see, like, when Tom Lolo plays lock, he doesn't rack up the tackles every game. He's around the 30 mark, but it also saves his legs. And Victor Radley is more of your ball-playing lock and probably doesn't run enough for my liking. And Trebojevic is going that way as well. Um, I see Bird more so as the running lock um, with that edge yeah, right. ball-playing role. And he's going to be able to link up with Sullivan and Hunt um, on either edge. I see him more as that floating sort of style lock as an extra ball player on either side and then use his foot speed in and around the middle. Yeah. I think we can both agree on the fact this will be a really interesting year for Anthony Griffin. Yes. Because he's got the talent there now. Yeah. He really does. Like, this is a very and talented death. football team. Yeah, talent, depth, and he's got a lot of young guys, like good good balance between young and old as well. Yeah. Um, and what, what the biggest thing is there, as Adam and me just discussed, like, there's so many interchangeable players, especially in this forward pack, but to a degree, pretty heavy in the back line as well. Mm-hmm. Because the uh, Fangai twins, um, you know, they're, they're, they're the future of St. George with yeah. Lomax, with Sloan, with Amone, with Sullivan. And they, they've got to get a spot some, somewhere for the year. So, but what Griffin's biggest challenge is, is finding the balance that's going to win games quickly. Yes. Not 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 some not chopping and changing throughout the year, coming out with a consistent team just to make sure that they're winning, but it's the best combination throughout the squad to get that W over the line. I think that's going to be very, that's very hard. hard. Like, this because is... there's no well, buy and sewer, great buy. Buy and end buy. I thought that was a bit of an unnecessary buy with what mm. they've got, but then I looked at their hooker stocks. Yeah, that's um, the big that's the one. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't think they really needed MY, especially with Bird and the team, but I, I'm not convinced that MY's best position is nine anyway. Like, I, I see more of a fullback 5'8 kind of player, to be honest. Because mm. um, I'm just having so a look here at the team that really I left out. I can name a back line of players that I left out. It's not great, but you could play it. And that'd be the Fengai twins on the wing. Mbai and Monga, Tatao Monga in the centers and Amone at fullback. And they're players I left out. And that's, and then, they're all NRL and then you standard. Add, and then you add Maguire, 
you add Woods. Yeah, Daniel you, Alvaro. We didn't. Yeah, Daniel Alvaro. Billy Burns. Um, Billy Burns. I didn't Kuswesky. say Black Laurie. You did. Jack, you, yeah, Jack Koscheski, Jaden Hunt. Um, yeah, you didn't you say Jackson it. Ford. Pawasa Farmasuli, who came from. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't even name Fui Myona. I couldn't fit him in, unfortunately. Yeah, like they're. They're, they're New South. I can't wait. You know, it's going to be good watching Cronulla play Dragons in New oh, South Wales yes. Cup. That'd be a good game. I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this Shire battle. All this year off each it's other. It's going to be. It should be good. And we're going to do our biggest rises and biggest fallers uh, as we get closer and do our full ladder. But I have a feeling both of us are going to have dragons as risers. Um, and they finished 11th, but I still see them taking another couple of steps at least. So I've got them in my... Well, I have to say they have to be in my 9 to 12 now. Yeah. Which means I've definitely got the move into at least nine. But I think when I actually sit down and go back through it, now that we've gone through all the teams, I'm probably going to push them into my top eight. It's just finding which team's going to fall out of it. So, but we'll leave that for a, another episode. So next week, we'll have a wrap-up of the first round of preseason trials. And we're going to start getting into our preseason bets. So we'll be bringing my brother back on in another couple of episodes time to do our five bets that we do at the start of the year. The footy tipping comp will be up, so we'll have the link for that ready. But make sure in the show's bio, you click on the Hop Nation link, check out their stock. Thank you again for coming on board and sponsoring our footy tipping. And we'll chat to you guys in a week's time. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.